Welcome to our service this morning. This is indeed a day of celebration. It is a day when we can remember back over a lot of years, some of us. Some of you haven't gotten that old yet, but for those of us that can remember 53 years ago, it's been a wonderful journey of pleasant memories. And I want to take just a moment before I get into the message today to share quickly uh, what the Lord has done and what we are experiencing even right now as those of us that have been around a long time want to reminisce for just a few moments. First of all, I, I want to tell you that uh, Sagemont Church actually began with uh, 16 people. Their uh, names were Calvin, Dottie, David, Lynn, John, and Beth Morgan. That was my cousin and his wife, and uh, the David, excuse me, the Calvin and Dottie, they were here, kept the nursery the first Sunday morning uh, when the building opened, and that day, David, their little nine-year-old son, was sitting in the auditorium, and uh, later on, he gave his life to Christ and has reached thousands of people all over the world carrying the gospel from that very first Sunday. And then there was Billy and Ruby Hale. Billy and Ruby Hale. Billy played football, Pasadena High School, Rice University, became a very successful businessman, phenomenal uh, Christian, he and Ruby. And they're a member of Sugar Creek Baptist Church in Houston. And Billy has just uh, been blessed, and he's blessed others, he and Ruby, in an incredible way. And I can promise you they're serving the Lord today in their church. And then Gordon and Linda Delaney. Gordon became a, a neurosurgeon in Kerrville, and uh, he uh, was killed in a car wreck. Uh, his wife is still alive, as far as my records will indicate, Linda. Then Dexter and Ruth Burdishaw. Ruth uh, would, uh, and Dexter were very uh, active in church. They did a part of everything. As far as I know, they're both alive, but I don't know where they are. And then there was Ken and Sarah Britton, and Ken was killed in a plane crash. Uh, I do know that, and Sarah played the piano for us, and that was awesome. But there was one person, uh, Dale Barker uh, and Pat Barker, and now it's Pat Barker Medlin. And she and I are the only two here today that were in that 16. And I want Pat, would you please stand? And this is Pat Barker Medlin, graduate of Pasadena High School. And we will sing our anthem when we're away from you. Uh, but uh, that was the confidence that God put in them to come from First Baptist Pasadena, come out here. And then we met in Bob Breeden's home. Bob Breeden, and uh, if you were at Bob and Barbara Breeden's home, now their house is just on the other side of the uh, Garner's uh, uh, eye clinic over here, uh, back on that first street. Fifty-two of us gathered in that little house, and that was our choir room, our practice room, our get acquainted room, and so forth. I know that Bob is here. Where are you, Bob? Please wave at me. Where are you? Right over here, and Barbara, if you were at one of, if you were at their meetings, would you stand? You were in the early stages. Is there any here, Pat? You and I are here. Anybody else over there? Here we go. And their daughter back there, Brenda. 
Yes. And they got a son named Bobby. All right. Thank you for using our home. We've outgrown it now. We won't be using it again uh, on Sunday morning. I promise you. Well, I was called as your pastor on February the 27th, 1966. I got here before the rest got here and started knocking on doors, knocked on every door out here and asked everybody uh, if they knew the Lord. It's one of the greatest days of, uh, and times of my life. The budget the first year was $33,000. Annual budget, $33,000. We generously gave $30,000. <laughs> Do the math, we were $3,000 behind. But God, through First Baptist Church in Pasadena, sent us a $3,000 check. We paid all of our bills. As we began our church and met over in the uh, chapel, the building on the far end, on the first Sunday, we needed furniture. Well, we'd already run out of money. We had folding chairs, and then we uh, had a blessing come from the Odom Church Foundation, Little Church Foundation here in Houston. And the man that was on that board at that time, as they would look at all the little churches getting started and say, we want to help you, but you've got to not have, uh, you know, any bills you don't pay. And they had all kinds of rules, and they're still in existence, by the way. But at that time, Dr. Stuart Morris, who's sitting right here in front of me, and very soon will be 100 years old. And he is, uh, he is one of the greatest friends this church has had in all of its years. And they gave the furniture, the pulpit, the two chairs on the platform, and the offering, the communion table, to which we still have. But God was just at work in that as well. On the first Sunday, the first baptism was Kevin Morrison. Kevin was a young man, I think nine years old, and I'd gone by his home to visit his, his uh, stepmom and dad, and uh, Kevin gave his heart to Jesus. It was the first baptism, and he is here this morning. Kevin, would you please stand? This is Kevin Morrison. I'm going to get you to stand again with, with uh, your wife. And uh, if Jonathan, is Jonathan Morrison here? He may not be, but that's their son. Jonathan's all over the world. Okay, he leads our mission ministries, all right? But Jonathan is their son. And here they, they were able to, to come into Sagemont, and now Jonathan, and it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And how grateful we are that we can just rejoice in how God has taken one to another, to another, to another. Last Sunday, Sage Mott, here was the first one. Last Sunday, we reached 18,060 baptisms. 18,060 have followed in baptistry, in believers' baptism. Last Sunday, those that were already believers had the number reached last Sunday, 35,742 of believers that moved to Houston or were already living in Houston and joined Sagemont Church through these 53 years. And the professions of faith, we've had 18,060 baptisms, but the professions of faith have been 20,208. So you see, we're still looking for about 1,800 of you that still need believers' baptism, all right? because that's just part of it. You go public with your faith in Jesus Christ. Our, mission, our total gifts, and this is the last figure I'm going to give you, 
But our total gifts, you remember we almost made 33000 the first year. Our total gifts have been $363,956,186. Isn't that good? Doesn't God bless his people? I'm telling you, our biggest giver the first year, the biggest check was a $40 check. It's gotten better than that since then. Thank God. It's not the politics. It's the God of heaven that has blessed his kids. Our total gifts have been $363,956,186, including our mission gifts, which have been 52,000 uh, 52 million, excuse me, $306,223. So that's just the, the things we can look at and say, God has supplied the people, souls have been saved, God has blessed us, we have given, and I want you to know that today some of the major churches, Southern Baptist churches of the United States are debt-free. Major impact was the faith of the folks that started Sagemont Church. That's what this is all about. We are part of the family of God. When, we, when somebody else hurts, we hurt. This church has helped churches get out of debt. We've helped them to keep from closing their doors. We've helped them because we're a family. The family started at Sagemont with 16. It is spread to God be the glory. Let's just praise him. Could we do that? Let's praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I want to speak to you this morning on the facts about fear. The facts about fear. Last week, I talked to you about anger. And how anger can destroy us. Today, I want to talk about fear. We can be angry, but we can also be filled with fear. The Bible says, fear not. But we are frightened. We're afraid. We don't know what the future holds. But the Lord says, I know who holds the future. I know I do. He says, I'm going to take care of things, but you just follow me. But there's still a fear in the land. There was a fear in Jesus' day, which I'm going to show you. And there's also a fear in our day as can we survive? Can we move forward? Can we turn around some things that have been headed in the wrong direction for far too long? We have to come to a point in our Christian life when we can deal with the storms of life. This church has had to deal with the storms of the hurricanes, the floods. This church started off being on the front page of the Houston papers and the lead stories of the news of flooding area. Sagemont is flooded. Sagemont is flooded. Sagemont is flooded. We're saying our church isn't going to make it. We're going to be underwater if it just keeps raining. But God thought differently. When the storms come... We're not to fear, we're to have faith. And if we have faith, we're going to find a place to serve our Lord. And we're going to be what he wants us to be. 
I want to read you the text. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. The same day when the even was come, Jesus said unto the people, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was not full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him. And they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And they said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? In John chapter 16, verse 33, there's one other scripture that I want to use this morning. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Bless his holy name. Why do we fear? If the, the one that is in us is stronger and greater than the one in the world, why are we so afraid? Why do we have to take so much medication to calm down? Why is it that we can't be still and know that he's God? Why is it that we're not able to look at what God's word teaches and says, Lord, this is what I want to do with my life. I don't want to just part of this. I want all of it. I want you to take me and use me for your glory. And I will not fear because you are living in my life. Now, let me tell you what the first step is to overcoming fear. Are you ready for this? You got to admit that you have it. You can't say, I'll tell you, I'm not scared of nothing. I'm not afraid of anything. Well, good luck. But it's okay to say the storms are raging. I have fear in my life. I'm concerned. That's the word we use. We don't use the word fear. We're concerned. But that concern should mean I understand that the devil is out to destroy everything that I think is right and good. And so it's not a sin to admit that you are afraid. It is a sin to admit you are afraid and not know where to go to find a peace that passes all understanding. The Bible is filled with stories of men and women who have faced very difficult situations and cried out in honesty, God, I'm afraid. Help. Come quickly. And as they have cried out, the prayers were answered. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you feel like that you just can't keep going. You can't handle it. Maybe you're thinking about breaking up a relationship. Maybe you're thinking about quitting a job. 
Maybe you're thinking about just moving. Don't know where you're going, why you're going. Just want to move away from where you are. Maybe you're dealing with something today and it's a real problem. But you do not have the faith to believe that God can deal with your problem if you do it his way. So that being said, all of us can now be in one accord that fear is a common emotion. It is natural. It is normal. You say, I'm afraid of rattlesnakes. God bless you. You're smart. <laughs> but there's a way to deal with that. Stay away. Stay away. If you don't like flying, stay on the ground. Just be who you are, but don't be afraid. Make right decisions. In the fourth chapter of Mark, Jesus tells us just what I've, I'm telling you right now. He says, realize that storms are going to come, so get ready. What happens when a hurricane comes to Houston? We hear weeks ahead of time, or certainly days ahead of time, details. Here's what you need to do. Now, some people say, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. And then you're in 48 hours, and the water's gone off the shelves. And the generators have all sold. And so now you're going to have your holy fit. Because you just simply did not deal with a fact that was offered and given to you. Any Christian who says that Christians face no storms is either a new Christian or one that does not face the realities of life. Storms are going to come. We're going to experience things that we don't understand. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus loves us individually, and he loves us collectively. I would not want anyone to come and say, I want to become a Christian. And the reason I want to become a Christian is because I want to get out of my, the storms that I'm experiencing. I want to get to where everything is peace and calm and wonderful and holy and loving. That world doesn't exist. We're talking about heaven, but we get ready here to go to heaven. But you have to take and look at the scripture in John 16, 33. Here's what it says. In this world, talking to his disciples, in this world, you shall have Tribulation. Amen. You know, you can say amen or you can say oh me. But that is true, isn't it? Amen. Is there anybody here say, I got not a problem. Never have had, not have one now, I'm not going to have one. I've got it all figured out. I just don't think so. I think we need to listen carefully as we talk about how to deal with this. Regardless of how close we walk with the Lord. Tribulation is going to come. Ask Simon Peter when you get to heaven. Ask John. Ask those disciples. You know, sometimes the closer you get to God, the worse it gets. Because the devil's fighting for you as well. He's wanting to frighten you as well. The devil is known to be a frightening figure as we've painted him or, or put uh, pictures up of, of the concept of Satan, the, the tail, the pitchfork, the red, the teeth, the, all of this kind of stuff. Well, we don't go for that, but here's what we do go for. 
the devil is alive. And the only one that can feed the devil is Jesus through his blood. And if we go about believing that we can just go and join a Christian group and everything is going to be fine and we're going to pray before we eat, we're going to keep a Bible close by and that's all it's going to take. No, we are in war. For those of you that are soldiers and you fought on the battlefield, when the bullets are flying, the bombs are dropping, the rockets are flying through the air, you never knew what was going to happen, but you were trained to fight the enemy. And that one day there would be a flag raised of victory. That's what we're in today. We're in a war. And we need to be afraid of the fact that if we back off of the battlefield and give the devil the battlefield, we'll lose. But if he is lifted up, if the blood of Jesus is recognized as being even stronger than us giving our own blood, that the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin, that one day his family will be brought together in heaven. From every land, from every continent, from every nation they will come because one day they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Life is filled with variety. I've lived a lot of years. I've never had two days the same. You know, say, what are you going to do tomorrow? Same thing I did today. No, you won't. Well, but I got it planned. Sorry. There's no two days that are the same. It, it, you're not just like you were when you were 20 or 30 or 40 or whatever. But God has a plan. One man wrote this about his father. He said, whether the weather be good or whether the weather be not, whether the weather be cool or whether the weather be hot, whatever the weather, he weathered the weather, whether he liked it or not. You say, I need to put that on my mirror. <laughs> but that's a man that learned what I'm preaching about today. He knew there's storms that come in the life of all of us. And when those storms come, we can learn more in the storm than we usually do in the calm. What do we normally do when we get everything right? We sit down and rest. Well, the Bible gives us a Sabbath to rest, right? Nothing wrong with rest but we got to go back to work. There's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you never get to that point where you say, now I got it under control. I don't even have to go to church anymore. I don't even have to read my Bible anymore. I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm saved, saved, saved. And I'm on my way to heaven. No, that's not the way it works. If you're saved, you're still on the battlefield. If you're saved, you and I will take some of the first hits from the enemy. But we know who's going to win. We know. Life is not one fantastic experience. It's, it's not an a easy thing. Disease comes. Problems come. Finances gone. Relationships gone. But God says, be still. Calm down. We're going through this storm together. 
And when we come out of every storm, we've learned things. Again, for those of us that have been on the coast for all of our lives, we've made a lot of changes in the way we do things, getting ready for a storm. We've learned through the storms. We have learned that you never know what another day is going to bring. But Jesus keeps on saying, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, I like that part. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Therefore, our faith is not in the fact, the fiction thought, that trouble will never come. Our faith is in believing that God can overcome our troubles. That's where our hope is. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand, and all the other ground is sinking sand. Don't run from the rock. Don't run into the woods of the world and expect to come out standing on a solid rock. We must over and over and over and over again drive down the stake, confirm the fact in our own beings, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Thanks to Calvary, thanks to the old rugged cross, thanks to somebody that told me about Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Another thing that I want to make clear this morning is that continual fear is a result of a lack of faith. If you just habitually are in fear, you just worry, 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 and you're always talking about it, and, and, you, and you just you, you think a pill's going to do it. If I do this, I do that. All of that has to come into play if you're going to get out of the storm and get back on the rock. Jesus will pick us up and set us on the rock, but we've got to come to him and not to the world. The first thing Jesus did was rebuke the wind and the sea. Then he said to the people, why are you afraid? Let me ask you that question. Let me ask myself that question. Are you afraid today? Are you concerned about the future? No, don't be. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Give your life to Christ. Be still and know that he's God. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus says. That's the answer to fear. There's nothing else. There's no other way. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Saved from what? One of the things is saved from fear. When we get to that moment, there is a way out. There is a way to get out of the sinking sand and to get on the solid rock. Jesus knew his disciples. He knew what they had seen. Every one of us here that are a member of Sagemont Church have seen so much. We know what God has done. And I believe he's going to do it better and better till he comes again. The word and the way is Jesus. And the word teaches us how to follow him. This is a rhetorical question, but have you ever seen the power of God at work in your life? 
Have you ever seen it happen? You say, most of you would say, if you've been a Christian long, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Well, do you think God's got power to do it again? Yes, I do. Well, then what are we to do? We're to follow him. All power is given to him. Our eyes must be kept on Jesus. No one, no flesh and blood, no person is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the only thing that will overcome genuine fear is faith. If there is a real challenge in your life, the only thing that's going to set you free is faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Proverbs. It's always been my favorite book. I like to read the, the proverb of the day. There's 31 chapters. Read one every day. It'll change your life. Every day you read that proverb, you'll find something in that proverb that you're going to need that day. It'll go over and over and over and over. But Jesus made it clear, very clear, that faith and fear can't mix. You can't walk by faith and fear. You've got to get rid of the fear and then walk in the faith. And when you need help, you go to the author of the book, the living word, and he will guide your step. Someone put it like this. Fear knocked at the door of my heart. I sent faith to answer, and no one was there. Now, you have to think that out just a minute. Faith knocked at my door. I sent somebody else to answer the door. When he got there, he was absent. When the devil finds out where you're getting your strength, he's going to run. As long as he thinks you're getting it from flesh and blood, he's going to stay and fight it out. But no weapon that's formed against him will prosper. And against us, it will not prosper if we're walking with God. So my question for myself and for you is, can I have that kind of faith? A faith that works. Can you have that kind of faith? A faith that works. Do you have that kind of faith? If not, how can you get it? I suggest something to you. Real quickly, number one, trust in the promises of God. He does not lie. Anytime you can find a direct quote in, recorded in the Holy Scriptures, if God says it, that settles it. What you do is you trust in what God says. He said, I won't leave you. Follow me. If you follow me, you'll be with me when you come to the end of life. And Jesus will walk us through the door of heaven. But we have to do it God's way. There's no other way. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You notice what he said in our text this morning. He told his disciples they were to pass over to the other side. Other side? Lord, you must not have seen the storm. You didn't watch the weather forecast. I can't get over there. Oh, yeah, you can because that's where I'm going. Jesus, follow me. And he could raise his hands and peace came to the storm. That's where we all want to be. You don't have to have a theological degree. You'd have to have childlike faith, though. You ever come and see a little child and 
If grandpa stood down here and he had a little three-year-old and he says to his little three-year-old, jump to daddy, jump to grandpa. Woo, only thing you got to watch is they don't jump over your head <laughs> because they expect grandpa to catch them any way they come. But they're coming and grandpa's going to catch them. That's the way our Holy Father does. Whenever we come to him, he says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast you out. You say, I'm not qualified. I've been backslid. I've, I've robbed God of my tithes and offerings. I've robbed God I hadn't served in years. Man, Bible school, I used to work in every Bible school. But the point is that God is calling us to get out of the storm, get in the boat, and follow him. And keep following him until he comes back again. Even though he was, Jesus, was asleep in the boat. Can I tell you a secret? While he was asleep in the boat, he was still Lord of the universe. You may honestly feel like that you prayed, but God was asleep. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Well, I don't know why he didn't do anything. Well, one day you will. He doesn't ask you when. He asks you what do you need. He will determine the time. He will determine the answer, but he'll do it with love and forgiveness and with the power of the blood. So not only should you trust in the promises of God, but realize that God is with you. I know I've said some things in the last few moments even that you think, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Just don't forget, he's with you. He's with you. He is going to actually do it, but you're going to receive the benefits from it. His power is infinite, and his love for you is endless. He says, follow me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You notice he didn't tell him to jump out of the boat. He said, you stay in the boat. He never left them on their own. You stay with me. You stick with me. That's all God asks. Stick with me. Follow me. Serve me. And then there's a third thing, and that is develop courage and confidence in God. Some of us have lost that, maybe. We've, we've forgotten where the power comes from. We have forgotten who controls the way. We have gotten caught up in all the things that we have options with the computer. What else do you need? I hear people all the time, I can find everything I need on the computer. Ooh, I can tell you some things you're not going to get off the computer that you need. You don't get locked into anything. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel even. Even if you have a friend, and I'm just kind of listening to that friend. No, you want to listen to Jesus. You want to make sure that you never get off the path. But Christ has approved over and over and over and over and over again that he never leaves his children. He never walks out on his kids. But you need to straighten up and learn that it's going to be my way. It's not Frank Sinatra's way. It's God's way. And God says to us, and you know what? All the scripture you'll find on fear, a child can understand most of this stuff. He kind of teaches us why we don't know all of the ABCs of the Bible. And just says, do this, do this, do this, do this. God sent his son to die for us. That's how much he loves us. 
You don't think that he cares what happens to us? He died for us. He gave his blood for us. Why would he throw us aside? Look at the high cost he paid for my salvation, for your salvation. And he's going to throw you away? No way. No way. You were saved by grace. You're to live by grace. And you'll go to heaven by grace. But there can be some heaven along the way to heaven if you can get the victory over fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And the fourth thing is to place your final confidence in the power of God. Many of us have come to the time and the age of life that it's up to him that created us. When are we going to die? I don't know. But I know what we're going to sing when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. But it's appointed unto man once to die. But the blood of Jesus takes care of you when you're living, just like it takes care of you when you're dying. It's his stripes that healed us. It's his blood that makes us whole. In Mark 5, 41, they said, and the Bible says they feared, and here was a question. What manner of man is this? Talking about Jesus. He's God. <laughs> That's what he is. What manner of man is he? He's God. End of story. That's who he is. That's who we're talking about. We're not talking about your perfect friend. We're not talking about your, your, your perfect brother or sister in Christ. We're talking about him. We have decided to follow Jesus. He's the way and the truth and the life. He's not a figure like Napoleon or Socrates or Gandhi. He was God in the flesh. I'll leave you with five sentences. Number one, and this is the next time you face fear, and they're going to be on the screen. I'll pause only long enough to hope you can get them written down. But here's five things that I've jotted down that I hope will help you. Number one, when your moments of trouble come, remember Jesus is in the boat with you. You don't do anything alone once you get saved. Many of us have dealt with loneliness. But he's in the boat. He's with us. And as long as he's with you, you're going to make it. Number two, God cannot fail. And he has promised to meet our every need. What do you need today? What do you need? God said, I'll meet it. Now, people say, I need money. God said, no, you don't. You, you're already in debt enough. You've already lost enough money. I'm not giving you any more. Again, God cannot fail, and he has promised to meet our needs. Number three, fear can only overtake you when you take your eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nowhere else to turn. Don't take your eyes off the Lord. Follow him, not the new cult, not the new trend, not what's the greatest movie out. I got to go see it. What's the greatest song the world is singing? I sure want to learn it. How the world dressing? Oh, that's the way I want to dress. How does the world think? That's the way I want to think. No, sir. You stay focused. You stay focused. I got to stay focused. Don't take our eyes off of Jesus. And there's a song written a long time ago. Don't have time to sing it to you. 
And you can tell my voice is not ready for that. Nor is it when it's in good shape. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Just look straight into his wondrous face. And the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's the God I serve. Let me give you the last two. Number four, God has given you the key of promise. Use it to release yourself from the prison of fear. Fear locks you up. Promise is unlimited. When you've got a God that owns everything, says nothing is, is too hard for me, and all that I have belongs to my children. I'm just wanting to put it in the hands of my children who will put it in circulation that will bring glory to me. That's the way this church has operated for all of these years. We do nothing until God blesses his people. We do not go to the banks. We do not go to the savings and loans. We do not go to selling bonds. We go to heaven and say, God, would you bless your children that are committed to doing what you want done. And number five, courage is not having no fear. Courage is acting in the face of fear. You know what might happen, but you stay the course. You may lose some friends. You may lose a relationship. You may lose money. You may lose your health. You don't know what's out there. But what we're to do is to recognize our fear and then act the way God wants us to act and trust him to do what he said he would do. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Always stay with Jesus. If Christ be for us, who can be against us?